Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Bibles, would you open up to Romans chapter 6? We're going to read verses 1 through 11 in just a couple of minutes, but this morning we're starting a, a summer teaching series that we're just calling Feasting on the Word, and, and what we're going to do is spend time each week on various portions of Scripture, the Old and the New Testament. We're going to be bouncing around a lot and just kind of sit in it, soak in it. Um, I'd like to think the sermons are going to be a little shorter. Ha ha ha. That's funny. That's a joke for you, those of you that know I like to talk. Um, and uh, no, but we'll, it'll be an opportunity for us to, uh, to just dig into some portions of scripture that maybe we wouldn't uh, visit. I think we're going to be in Zechariah or Zephaniah in a couple weeks. When's the last time you read that? My point exactly. So we're going to be feasting on the word. The, the Bible, one of the things the Bible's called is almost like bread. Uh, and Jesus even says when he's being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he's like, man doesn't live by bread alone. I don't live by bread alone. I live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if there's something for us to be learning how to feast on and, and dig deep into, it's going to be uh, the scriptures. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Uh, this morning, and I want to talk to you about uh, one of the most important, uh, I don't know if I want to call it functions or practices that the church has historically as a family, and that's baptism. And I want to talk about what is baptism, and this won't cover everything that baptism is, uh, but I, I want to frame it in a way that I think will be helpful for us this morning. So, um, Let's start by reading Romans 6, 1 through 11, and we'll get into this this morning. It says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, we just ask this morning that whatever you have been doing to prepare people already to hear this teaching this morning, we we pray that you would just spark something, unlock something, open something up, and, and connect the dots for us from our day, from our week, from our life, from the questions we've been asking you ourselves. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that this would uh, be something that would connect those dots in people's lives this morning. And Lord, I, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we pray, Lord, that our eyes would be open to see and our ears would be open to hear and our hearts open to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, how many of you love a good celebration? Love a good, I do not believe it based on that reaction. None of you like to celebrate, clearly. What, see here, uh, this is a total tangent. I'm already like going off my notes. Sometimes when we become Christians, we've been taught that we have to stop being human beings. And so we know how to celebrate when we're out somewhere else, and then we come into church and we forget. It's like we turn that switch off. Like, I've seen some of you at parties. You know how to celebrate. But some, for some, amen, that's right. Jesus loved a good party. Read the Gospels. I'm already off my notes. But man, be human, please, when you follow Jesus. Don't stop being human. Amen? I could, I could just stop right there. But we're going to continue because I have the microphone. Um, I also, I'm sorry. I'm really distracted by the fact that Jillian's actually in the room right now. This is like the first time in four years both of our kids are old enough to be in kids ministry. So I'm like really thrown off right now. This is weird for me. Um, anyway, I can't just say anything and get away with it. Uh, but anyway, uh, how many of you really, though, love a good celebration? H- how many of you, hey! How many of you love a good wedding? Yes, you're like, you're getting married. You've got two married couple or fiance, engaged, fiance couples, what am I saying? Engaged couples in the room that have weddings coming up soon, right? This is exciting. It's very exciting. I remember our wedding almost 11 years ago. It was a great party. We had a live band. That was like my one thing. I was like, I don't care if everything else is terrible. I want a live band because I wanted to dance to live music. And we did. And it was amazing. And it was such a great party. It was such a great moment. It marked something really significant. But the wedding wasn't the marriage, right? But it was a really, really important part. The birth of a child isn't parenting, but it's a really, really important part. What about a graduation? We're in the season of graduations. West Milford just had their graduations, preschool graduations, kindergarten, everyone's graduating. Everyone gets to graduate now. College graduations, everyone's graduating. It's not your career, it's not the rest of your life, but it's a significant moment that marks a change, right? We, we, we know what these moments are. They signify a shift from one thing into another, from one season of our lives, from one place of our lives into another. And that is, in a nutshell, what baptism is. Baptism is the moment that marks 
a change in our life like nothing else. From the old to the new, from sin to salvation, from being dead in our transgressions, dead to our old life and being alive in Jesus. It's a moment that marks us. And and Paul talks about baptism in this passage to remind the Roman church that they had a moment that marked them and changed everything for how they live. See, they they were living saying, there were teachers actually at this time that were saying, you know, God's grace is so amazing. The more that you sin and disobey him, the more you get to experience his love and grace. Now, it's true when you sin, when, you, when you're not following in obedience, when you run back to Jesus, there is so much love and grace and forgiveness. But they were saying this should be how you plan out your life. Don't listen to anything and obey anything that Jesus teaches And then just run back to him and repent and you get to experience so much more grace. And so what Paul is doing, this is why he says this, should we go keep going on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. And he uses baptism as the moment to say, you had a moment that marked you, follower of Jesus. You had a moment that marked you like a wedding marks you, like a graduation marks you. To say, you're not in that place in life anymore. You are something else entirely. And he uses baptism as the moment to mark the change. And so baptism is pretty important. And we could find other passages in the New Testament. We could go to Jesus' own words in Matthew 28, where he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So baptism is a central part of how the church functions. And and I want to talk about three aspects of baptism that are important for us so we can understand what it is. I want to talk about identification in baptism, the effects of baptism, and the need for baptism. And, and, and uh, you'll, you'll see as we go why this is so important for us to remember today. So first, I want to talk about the identification we find in baptism. Now, some of you are maybe tracking with me. Maybe a lot of you were as I read this passage from Romans. Some of you, your eyes glazed over and you're like, I have no idea what this is talking about. So we're going to just put it in really simple terms. Paul is saying that, don't you remember your baptism? It's, it's the sign of all of these things that Jesus did for you. It is the marker that joins you to the life Jesus lived. What did Jesus do? He lived. Yes, he preached the kingdom of God is near, repent. He died on the cross for our sins, the scripture says. He was risen, he he rose to life, he was resurrected from the dead, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And Paul says, when you chose to follow Jesus, the same thing happened to you. You died on that cross with Jesus. You were buried in that tomb with Jesus. And you were raised back to life, but you're not the same as you were before. Think about Jesus. When he came in John's gospel, we see more of the story about after he rose from the dead. And he just like walked through the wall and appeared to his disciples. 
He wasn't a ghost. He, he ate with them right there. They were afraid they'd seen a ghost. And he sat down. He's like, hey, I'm hungry. Can we have something to eat? And he ate with them right there. He was a human, but there was something glorified about this new body. He was resurrected and he was living this new, amazing uh, human existence that you and I have not experienced yet. Walking through walls would be really cool, I'm just saying. But, but what Paul is saying is when you are baptized, you are identified with this whole process of what Jesus did. When you say, I'm following Jesus, what you are saying is, I am leaving sin behind. I'm leaving the sinful world that I'm complicit in, a part of. I'm leaving that behind, and I'm going to follow you. And the waters of baptism signify a few things. First, they signify that you have been crucified on that cross with Jesus. Nailed right there with him. Everything, every sin in your life is there done and away with. It also signifies that, that you have been buried with Christ. And by the way, these words are all past tense, Paul uses. It's already done. If you choose in the year 2023 to follow Jesus, it's as if your sins have been nailed on that cross for the last 2,000 plus years. Not in like a vague theoretical sense, in a real, actual sense. You're crucified with Christ and then Jesus was buried in the tomb and he says, you're buried with Christ. You're buried with Jesus. What is burial in our society? What does burial signify? When you uh, bury a loved one or a relative, when that gravestone is put there, when the, the casket's lowered down, when the dirt covers everything over, what, what does that signify? death. It's the end. It's done. There's no more. This, is, this has stopped existing. The, the scholar, uh, New Testament scholar F.F. Bruce said that burial is the seal of death. It's the completion that that's done. There's no coming back from death. But here's the beautiful thing. It is your sinful nature, your sinful life that is killed on the cross, buried and dead and done away with, terminated completely in the grave. But then when Jesus is raised to life, Paul says, it's as if you have now had a new life that you're raised up with him. Totally new. You get to completely walk away from the old habits, the old behaviors, the old desires. And you get to say, I'm new. I'm completely new. And you're raised to life with Jesus and you get to walk out the new life with him. And you're empowered to live that out. We were singing this morning, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's, there's things we talked last week about the new humanity, right? About leaving the family of origin and the, 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 the things that have the habits and the behaviors of our family and the sins of our family history. And, and I'm like, how do we shake that? It's the power of the cross, I remember my first time realizing how real this dead to sin and alive in Jesus thing was. I was maybe 12 years old and, and, and my dad and I were driving one day and we, you know, both of my parents come out of some fairly dysfunctional households. There's a, there's a lot of really uh, broken uh, family dynamics and broken relationships and broken marriages. And it, it's just like, I asked my dad, just like not even realizing how significant this was. And, and I just said, why are you and mom the only ones together still? 
And he looked at me. He could have said so many things. Well, you know, we trust each other. Or we do this. Or we do that. He just looked at me and he said, Andrew, it's Jesus. My parents, I know my parents, like, they, they don't have the ability to do this on their own. It's Jesus that did this. When, whatever those, those family dynamics that get passed down from generation to generation, those other things that you've walked in line with from other things, those things that need to break, when you come into Jesus, it's as if that's dead, that's gone, that's not even your heritage, that's not your life anymore. That's still buried in the grave, it's finished, it's terminated, it's complete. And you get to walk out new behaviors, a new ethic, a new way of living in the new life of Jesus. And so what baptism is, Paul said, he's like, hey, remember this. You were buried when you went under the water. That's the symbol of being buried with Jesus. The old you is dead. It stays in there. And who comes out is this new creation in Jesus, this new person. This is our identification that happens in baptism. Everyone say identification. It's not weird to say it. Just come on. Identification. Why do I want you to say it? Because you're probably not going to remember it. And I want you to catch this, that anytime you read anything about what Jesus went through, you can identify with what he went through and say, me too. That's me too. That's me too. We talk about all the time, like Jesus healed people and he said, you have authority to heal people, so go pray for people to be healed. It's the same with this. Jesus died the old nature, you died too. You were buried, he's buried. He was raised to life, you get to be alive too. Something totally new. Your identification in baptism. We're identifying with Jesus when we go into the waters of baptism and are raised out. Second, I want to talk to you about the effects of baptism. The effects of baptism. This is very simple and and extremely practical. When you are baptized, you are at that point, in a sense, brought into the full community of the believing church at that moment. There's there's generally practiced throughout church history, uh, some level at times more than others, a process of preparing for baptism. A simple baptism class, sometimes they would call them initiates and they are candidates, baptismal candidates, and they would go through months of rigorous catechism, discipleship training. They would go through deliverance. They would do all of these things to prepare them for baptism. And then they would come to the waters of baptism and they would renounce Satan and all his works and renounce sin and and everything from their past. And they would go into the water and it's literally after months and months of preparation, they would go down under And they would come up, and it's the sign that they're a new creation. And a lot of times, especially in the history of the church, they would actually do this on Saturday nights before Easter. And then they would come in, they would put white robes on each of the new people that had been baptized, and they'd come in to join the rest of the community and worship that morning, and they'd celebrate the new life in Christ that was at work in them. Now, now if, imagine if we did something like that every single year. Imagine what kind of effect that would have on you who've already gone through that, or on someone who has never been through that. Imagine what that would do to just teach you about the story of the good news of Jesus without words even being spoken. Something's different about them. 
Something's different. They're invited into full participation, but also it's a moment of encouragement. You've got this moment like a graduation. You get a diploma. I know I finished high school. I know I graduated from college. I have a wedding ring. This is a marker and a sign of my vows and commitments to Jillian. We, we have these kinds of signs and rituals and they serve as a way of encouraging us, of setting us apart, of marking us as a side for whatever purpose it is. And it's the same with baptism. It encourages us. It helps us tell the story of the gospel fresh in a moment and it invites us into our purpose. So the effects of baptism encourage us, teach us the gospel story fresh, and they remind us. This is what Paul's doing for everyone who's been baptized. He's reminding them, what, how are you living right now? How are you behaving? Do you remember when you went in the water? Do you remember when you came out of the water? Remember that moment. It has set you apart. It has set you apart. These are the effects of baptism to help us remember that we have identified our new life with Jesus and the old life is buried in the tomb with him and dead. And finally, we have not only an identification in baptism and there's effects of baptism, finally, we have a need for baptism. Um, As I read through this, Give me your honest, you might not even remember by now, but when I read through Romans 6, 1 through 11 at the beginning, how many of you were tracking with me the whole time? And then how many of you were like, what's he talking about? Or how many of you were like, yeah, but, or that's wishful thinking, or hmm, that sounds like it could be nice for some super Christians, but not me. Any of those go through your head as I was reading that? I got an amen. What about this verse? When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. How many of you consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to Christ Jesus? It's hard, isn't it? That's very hard. Now, let me, let me tweet this for you. For, the, for those of you who are married, it's just really easy to use marriage as an example because so many of us have been to a wedding. How many of you have a wedding ring on, right? And, and you're saying, you're saying, uh, but I'm not actually married. Now, there's various maybe levels of of hot or cold in that relationship and things like that for sure. Sometimes it's going better than others. Sometimes it can be really challenging. Um, But you're not going to, if you are married, going to say, well, no, I'm not actually married. Do, Do you kind of follow what I'm saying here? Okay. But for some reason with this, we say, I don't know if I'm actually dead to sin. Are you following me? I don't know if I'm actually alive to God through Christ Jesus. That doesn't make sense to me. Okay, why am I saying this? I'm saying this all because it is really difficult sometimes to wrap wrap our heads around the fact that this is true about us. Really hard, right? 
We live in, in an increasingly uh, secular society that doesn't really recognize any kind of spiritual or invisible uh, power to be at work in us. If I can't see it, touch it, taste it, measure it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't have an effect on my life. But what we're saying is outside of what we're used to living and experiencing. Is there something outside of me, Jesus, someone, that did something that I'm saying I'm identifying myself with and it changes me and is changing me and has changed me? That's hard for us to wrap our mind around because of our culture. Are you following me? Okay. So, Because of this, it's really challenging for us to see that this is true. So even more, there is an incredible need in our life, just like things like a wedding, things like a graduation. We need rituals, experiences, moments that mark us to say, no, that's real. That happened. Are you following? Part of why... Jesus also told us to take communion every week. As often as you gather, do this in remembrance of me. To remember that Jesus took our sin and his body, it was broken for us. His blood was poured out and shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We, we need, uh, what I'm just using the term ritual in general, we need these kinds of practices, rituals in our lives to help us remember that it's real. Now, we, we ritualize things all the time. Like, we've already talked about marriages, graduations. We, we create our own rituals. Like, we have the weekend. That has rituals. Friday, when you get out of work, what do you do? I, we have a party. Someone has a nap. Happy hour. What else do you do on, a, on your Friday when your weekend starts? Do you have, like, a, a routine? What is it? Clean. That sounds exciting. But we have rituals. Do you have things that you'll normally do on a Friday night or a Saturday night or a Sunday night? Do you have things that you'll ritually do throughout the week to mark a moment? You might not think about it as a ritual. You might just think about it as a routine. But we're, we are created human beings to find meaning in things. And so we craft some version of these things to kind of mark our week, mark our days. Some of you get your afternoon coffee. That's part of your ritual. We all have different things we do to mark moments in our day. Jillian's got her three o'clock coffee. The girls get up from their nap and she's like, Andrew's gonna be home in the next hour or two. We're almost there. That's what that coffee, it's a ritual to remind you we're almost there. But we create these all throughout our days. And I believe that if we're going to really understand how significant what Jesus has done for us and that we are just as dead to sin as he was in that grave, if we're gonna realize how true that is, we need to recapture and understand how significant baptism is. It's not just something random, but it's marking something real. I love this uh, quote from a friend of mine, the Reverend Dr. Amy Davis Abdallah. She says, rituals name and make invisible change visible. I love that. 
rituals name and make invisible change visible. What Romans chapter 6, 1 through 11 is describing is so hard to wrap our minds around. It's in some ways, it, it is invisible, this reality. And what your baptism does or what your baptism could do or what your baptism did is provide a marker for you to remember. To say, no, I was buried, my sin was buried, my sin is dead. And when I came out of that water, I was a new creation. I was completely different. I'm walking in a new way now. And actually, it gives you permission for when there is mistakes in your life, when there's sin in your life, when you do those things, you can actually, this is totally legit, you can go, that's really weird. Why am I doing that? That's not who I am anymore. How strange. That's that song we sang this morning. I am who you say I am. Not what my old nature was. That's dead. Huh, that's weird. It was trying to come back to life again. Kill it again. That's why the scriptures tell us to daily take up our cross and follow. There's a daily dying to self, our old self, that needs to happen so we can remember the baptism that marked the moment we came alive in the new life of Jesus. So our need for baptism is to provide and serve as a, a marker, a moment where we say this invisible thing that I see re right here but is hard for me to wrap my head around, it's real and here's the moment I look to to say it happened and it is happening and it's continuing to happen. That you should consider yourself dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So very simple. I, I wanna call you to just a couple of simple application points. What, what do I do with this information? Some of you might need to sit with this and reflect. Uh, this is a tricky one because a lot of times we go, isn't my decision to follow Jesus enough? But the reality is, is we need these markers, these moments to say something's different now. And Jesus knew that about us and that's why he said, make sure you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Paul assumes this is so critical. Remember your baptism. Remember that's where your old self was buried and that's where you came to life in the new life of Jesus. Don't forget it, keep going back to it. So, so by way of application this morning, very simply, I, I want to call you, call us to two things. First, if you've been baptized, I want to call you this morning to remember your baptism. Just think back on it right now. Remember the moment you were baptized. Remember that moment that either you were submersed or there was water poured over you. The moment you said, hey, here is my public declaration that I am following Jesus. Just think about it for a minute. Think about that moment in your life. That really happened. It wasn't fake. There's a lot of fake news right now. That wasn't fake news. 
that really happened to you. And you know what else? That really marked something that really happened to you that you can't see. You died to sin and you are alive in the resurrected Jesus. That really happened. Remember your baptism. And there's a second call. And this is for those of you who have not been baptized. This is an invitation that if you're following Jesus, if you're saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus, this is an invitation to you to be baptized. To say, I need to do this. I need that marker of this truth and this reality in my life. And so very simply, if that second one is you, Either come speak to me after service if you're saying, I need to do this. I need to be baptized. I need that moment that I can look back on and remember. I need that moment where I can encourage everyone else and we can be reminded together of the good news of the gospel. Come see me, or if you can't do that, go fill out that Connect card that we have, even if you filled one out before. On Scan it, the QR code. Grab one in the lobby, and there's a, a box on there that you can check. I want to talk to someone about Jesus and being baptized. One of those two things. But if you're saying, I need to follow Jesus into baptism. I need that moment to mark my life, that I am dead to sin and alive to Jesus. I want you to do that. So I'm just going to invite the worship team to come, and we're going to take communion, the other marker to remember the story we're living in. And I want to invite you to stand as we do that. If you need uh, communion, just raise your hand. Uh, Someone from our connectors will come to you with that right now. But just for a moment before we take communion, I want you to just consider the invitations or the the encouragements before you to either remember your baptism or follow Jesus into baptism. And as you consider which invitation is most appropriate for you, I just want you to consider the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for you. Pierced, beaten, took upon his body the sin of the whole world so that it could all die with him and in him on the cross. So that you, to this day, do not have to carry any of it as long as you give it to him. So remember that his body in all these things was broken for you. Take and eat. remember that it wasn't just his body broken but it was his blood shed that it washed you clean of all unrighteousness that by his wounds by his blood you have been healed remember the sustaining power of Jesus' blood for your life.
take and drink. There's real power in what Jesus did for you on the cross. There's real power in it. Not a nice thought. Let's worship together. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.